0: You're listening to the birches is it, is, it, is it the birch it's the birches right i'm brian giles and you're listening to the birchwood podcast
1: Friday, December 27th, and welcome back to Birchwood Podcast. How was your Christmas? I hope it was holly, jolly, and fun, and festive, and all of the things that it should be, uh, and I hope you had a good time with your friends and family. I know I did. I know I did. I had a great time. I baked chocolate chip cookies. I got my son a PS4. I got my daughter an iPhone, and uh, you know, things. life is great. I'm going to tell you all about all the things. Uh, But for now, I wanted to mention off the top uh, that I do have a show coming up, a big-time show for me. I'm going to be at a big theater in St. John, New Brunswick. It's called the Imperial Theater. I'm going to be opening for the great James Mullinger. That's in 2020, March 14th, 2020, at the Imperial Theater. Uh, I will be doing my comedy act skit. (laughs) Uh yeah, if you want more detail on that, check out Shane Ogden comedian on Facebook. I'll be posting about it shortly. Uh also, this weekend get a little business out of the way off the top. Uh I run a comedy club with my partner Julie Tower. It's called Punchlines Comedy Club. It's on 9 Sydney Street in St. John, New Brunswick, Canada on the East Coast of Canada. Atlantic Canada's best comedy club and we have uh a great show this weekend. Um It's uh, featuring one of the best storytellers ever. Uh, hilarious comedian Damon Schritter will be the headliner that night. Also hosting the show will be Sean Hogan. I've never met Sean Hogan. I'm hoping to uh, get a chance to chat with that guy, see what he's all about. And also on the show, my old buddy Matt Keenan is uh, making his way down from Toronto just to do a set and also Lynn Woods. I've never seen her, but I've heard great things. Looking forward to all of that this weekend at Punchlines Comedy Club. There's still tickets available. Visit punchlinescomedyclub.ca for more details. All right, so I told you uh, that I'd get into what I did for the holiday. First of all, like all the pages, would you? Go to Birchwood Podcast. Uh, go to Shane Ogden Comedian. Go to Punchlines Comedy Club. Give them all a like for me. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe. Please share this podcast. Let people know how great it is. I sit down with some of the funniest people and some of the greatest, uh, kindest people, and uh, and I interview them, and then you get to know what's going on in my world. It's kind of like a Truman Show. Uh, I'm a father, husband, comedian, electrician, show producer. And, uh, I think that's enough, man, <laughs> uh, life, uh, does, is it just me or life seem, uh, way busier now than ever before? I really, I wonder where I get time to shower and take care of myself these days. Um, it's been, it's been, uh, wow. It's been so, so busy and I'm just so happy to have this break. I actually, um, at my work, they were gonna take off uh, Christmas Eve and and Christmas Day, but I decided. Uh, well, they were gonna take off. Sorry, Christmas Day and Boxing Day. I decided to take off um, Christmas Eve. They were only gonna work till lunchtime anyway, and uh, so I took a day for myself. And uh, the, I had three glorious days with my uh, friends and family, and it was uh, well, it was awesome. Christmas Eve, uh, we went to Queen's Buffet. And, uh, yeah, if you've ever been in St. John, New Brunswick and you're looking for a great buffet, why not just drive right past where I ate at Queen's Buffet? I don't know. I keep going back there thinking it's going to be good, and it was not. It was, uh, ugh. It was just the lowest level buffet you could imagine. Like, uh, I mean, I, I can't stand it there. I just find the food tastes like chlorine. Like, I got some ribs, and they just tasted like chlorine. And uh, so then I moved on to the chicken, and I had to spit it out in my napkin. It was... (laughs) I don't want to talk shit. If you love Queen's Buffet, I'm sorry, but I know that wasn't chicken. I don't know what animal was in my mouth, but it wasn't chicken. And uh, it was $25 a person, right? So... You know, had the four of us there. So with tip and everything, it was about 130 bucks of regret. But at least we are all together. And, uh, you know, the dessert was pretty good. So that was the Queen's Buffet Christmas Eve. Not many choices. Not much is open Christmas Eve. But it was nice. It was nice to spend it with uh, my Lishi and my two kids, uh, Casey and Ella. And we had a, a nice dinner. Or, no, we didn't. But we had a nice time together. Uh, then, um... This is the year that my daughter found out that Santa Claus isn't real. So she came home one day and she said, you know, people, there's some kids at school telling me that Santa Claus isn't real. Daddy, what's what's going on? Is Santa Claus real? And I mean, she's 10 years old, right? And I'm just like, man, this sucks. I said, no, honey. Not the way that you think of it. St. Nicholas was a real dude who gave poor kids presents, gifts once a year, back in the day to make them feel good. And that legend continues on till this day. And that's the true story of Santa Claus. And she seemed to take it okay, you know. She That was the best I could do. Uh, Casey, I... Didn't do right. When he was a little boy, he's 17 now. But when he was a little boy, I just said, Santa was Santa's not real. I'm sorry I had to tell you this, but uh, yeah, it's not real. All right, good night. <laughs> There's no follow-up. I was young. I was not a good dad. I'm a, I'm a dad 2.0 now. Uh, unfortunately, I had to make all my mistakes with Casey so that Ella could benefit. But I'm sure I'm making mistakes with Ella, too um yeah so we got lots of great gifts it was wonderful people gave us jams and jellies and cookies from around the world it was awesome uh gave leashy all the uh the amazing uh photo shoot that we did with the dog back uh back before winter and uh the dogs running through a field with the balls and everything was like got some canvas up uh Got some pictures on some canvases for her for Christmas. And those same dogs are causing a disturbance. Hey, simmer down. That's enough. I'm trying to record a podcast. Don't you know what that is, furry animal? Settle down. There's people upstairs, I'm sure. They live here. All right. So I have to have those conversations with my dogs sometimes. Anyways, uh, great Christmas. All things uh, told, it was a fun day. Oh, my God. Shut up. Hey, stop it. Enough. Enough. All right? Shush. Cut it out. Ah, sorry, I had to discipline my dog. Did, by discipline, I mean pin him down. You ever hear of this pinning method? Every time your dog barks, you, you're supposed to pin them, and that's supposed to let them know to be quiet. Anyway, he's 14 years old, and he's not listening to me. So if any of you have dog advice, email <laughs> the podcast, punchline, or sorry, what am I talking about? Um, podcast at gmail.com. This is falling apart fast. <laughs> this episode kind of reminds me of the cookies I tried to bake over Christmas, it took me about three dozen. I burned like three dozen before I got uh, some good cookies. I don't know if you've ever tried to bake chocolate chip cookies, but the oven rack has to be in the middle, and uh, the temperature, every stove is different. The package tells you, uh, you know, for argument's sake, 350 degrees for 10 to 12 minutes. I had to get it at 300 degrees for eight minutes, I had to, and I, I had to do a lot of in-betweens to get it right. But I finally did get it right, and I gave out cookies for Christmas, and uh, everybody liked them that I know of. Nobody said they were shit, but nobody would, right? Nobody would tell you your cookies are shit. I ate a few. Alicia says they're good. I don't know. So uh, that's what I did. I burned some cookies. and This uh, intro is feeling like burnt cookies right now. There's pressure kind of because it's late at night and I'm recording this and I live in the basement of a house and there's people that live upstairs. So trying to be um, quick with this one. Uh, anyway, my son's PS4, uh, the USB port, wiggled loose and I tried to have it repaired and the people at the repair shop were unable, unsuccessful. to, They couldn't do it. So um, last minute. We rallied up, uh, scratched every penny we had together, and we got him a, a PS4 And Christmas Day. And I and I prepped him. I was like, you know, this Christmas isn't so good, and we don't have a lot and everything, and kind of uh, set him up that way. And then when he opened the gift, he was blown away, very surprised and happy. And uh, so I was happy I could do that for him. And and Ella, Ella likes to... Uh, see, we gave Ella one of our iPhones um, when we were updating our phone so she uses it to you know play a game and uh so then i play games and then i uh you know her her it was an old phone so the battery was dying not being able to recharge and so i get her a, a a new used iphone and uh so she was quite happy with that so it was it was awesome and then you know stockings and everything i mean what a great christmas morning i had dad's kitchen was open i had bacon and waffles and, uh, it was just, uh, an amazing Christmas. I think it was our best Christmas as a, as a family. Of course, this family's only been together for three, four years now. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's taken shape. You know, we, we pieced this family together. Um, and I'm very thankful for them. So this was a good Christmas. Um, then Christmas Day... Alicia went uh, with her dad, Got broke her dad out of the hospital for the day. It was his first time out of the hospital in two months. And it was pretty special. She got to take him out uh, to his uh, sister's place where he used to stay in the basement. And uh, they had a little time there together, and that was nice. Uh, Then I went um, on my own way. I went to my sister's house, and I had uh, turkey supper with them. And Boxing Day, we came back together and had ham and turkey at her stepdad's place. So it was just a great Christmas. I was very happy. I got a transmitter from Alicia so that I could uh, yeah, play a podcast on the way to work. And um, yeah, everybody got nice gifts and it was nice time together. But I gotta be honest, I'm so fucking glad it's over. It's so much pressure every year. And I, and I kind of tried to ease it in with the cookies. Like, you know, the cookies are great to give to people. And, um, but you know, some people are still giving me, you know, like $50 gift cards and I'm handing them, you know, $10 worth of material here. I bake them some cookies, you know, So the money part doesn't add up and I know everybody says that's not what counts but there's still um, gift pressure that we've created in this capitalist society. So yeah, that's it. That's all I've got to say this week. Uh, Hope you're having a great time with your lives. Uh, What can I say? Oh, I I covered that. Oh, off the top, by the way. Man, if you're into music you've got to get into this guy uh, Anderson Pack. He has like I don't know, five albums or something. And, uh, it, they, he, they just keep getting better and better. This one, uh, this song was off the album Ventura, which is, uh, just released in 2019. So this track was called make it better featuring Smokey Robertson. And that's an Anderson pack song. Uh, what a great tune. And it's just such a, I don't know, like old school Motown kind of slow jam. And I, The older I get, the more I like the slower songs, you know. I just, I don't like the chaos anymore. I just like to chill. I just like things to be nice. (laughs) I don't don't need to get my uh, blood pressure up, okay. I I just need to chill out. At this point in my life, I just want to relax. I want everything to be calm. And I know that's not always realistic, but, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to the holiday being over, and I don't do a fucking thing for New Year's. New Year's, I have no use for it all. To me, you're just turning the calendar to another day. I'll work that day, I'll work overtime, whatever. But I am just not doing the New Year's thing. Three, two, one, I don't give a fuck. I don't, never have. Um, So whatever year it is, uh, it just is to me. Um, Certainly not going to celebrate another one passing. We already do that with birthdays, don't we? With the, all the individuals we have to give birthday gifts and cards to. Can't we just, you know, enjoy the time passing with their birthday? Why do we got to mark a calendar and say, Hooray, it's another year. It's going to be different. It's not going to be different unless you make it different. But that could happen anytime. You don't have to do it when the calendar turns another year older. That's just my bah bug for the new year. Uh, yeah, I kind of kind of blow my load on Christmas, you know, Christmas is it, this is it, that's the big celebration, the big get together, I even gave uh, the people upstairs a a tin of cookies, you know, reached out to some people I don't know, said Merry Christmas, you know what I mean, yeah, it's good to do that, it's good to reach out to people, Um, anyway, this is my talk with uh, Brian Giles, I just wanted to say, uh, Brian Giles is a good friend of mine, he lives in near Calais, Maine, I'm not sure exactly where in Maine he lives, but he's a homesteader with his wife, Susan, and his two beautiful children. Um, he's made a life for himself off-grid, and that's very fascinating. And I didn't talk to him about that at all. <laughs> I wish I had. Um, but And I don't even actually remember this conversation. We, uh, we, he was in town doing some shows at Punchline's Comedy Club, and he uh, is comedian, I should mention. Very funny comedian, and uh, he's done a lot of uh, shows for us at uh, both Chuckles and Punchlines. I've seen him around the local comedy scene, and uh, he's hilarious, and he's also a very intelligent man. He's a teacher. Uh, So fascinating. He's a teacher, a homesteader, a comedian. He's a guy like me, wears a lot of hats, and I really get along with him. And so I thought, hey, let's sit down and pick the brain of my great friend, Brian Giles.
0: Enjoy outlets and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah my, my my system's pretty well set up like that the batteries if the batteries reach below 85% or below 46.7 volts whatever the generator will automatically come on and it'll yeah. charge the batteries awesome. so if I'm getting if I, my batteries are good like in the summertime generator never comes on but now where there's less light or the snow on the panels or whatever happens yeah it, the generator kicks in and it charges those batteries up to to and think, propane lasts a long time doesn't it oh yeah the
1: propane's great the propane truck come right up to your homestead yeah yeah
0: yeah and fills up yeah fills up yep and i've got three and actually i've i've just decreased my propane load so i i had started with a propane refrigerator as well but I really didn't like it. There was a couple of problems. Problem number 1 was that the propane refrigerator um would defrost, would get so iced up like constantly like every once every month or something I had to defrost it, which meant draining all the water out of it, turning it off and whatever. Something was
1: going wrong there. Yeah. But you would need like a refrigeration tech to find out, wouldn't you? Right. Right. And So, cuz it shouldn't freeze like that. No. Should they run maybe heat trace around those coils? You know about yeah. heat trace? Yeah, I think so. Heat trace is like a cable that you place, like say you want a, your roof not to be so iced up in the winter, yeah. well they run just wire, and it's thermal insulated specialty wire, it's called heat trace, yeah. and it's two, it's 240 volts just like a baseboard heater, right? And you, you coil it in a certain pattern or whatever, or you could just leave it in your gutter straight and it'll melt ice. Oh, wow. And you can use that, uh, we use them on the heat pumps all the time. Hmm. And that goes around the coil of the compressor to keep it de iced yeah. in the winter.
0: So you could have used something like that, maybe. Maybe. So it would ice up all the time. The second thing was is that it was massive, like the, 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 the actual operational part of the propane in the back almost, and on the bottom of the fridge, almost doubled the size of the refrigerator, so and we are in a tiny house, so it was like, you know it took up a lot of room it wasn't, I I always worried about uh, if the pilot light went out and um, it was like a fire hazard you know what I mean, so that was, that bothered me so now we have a a DC fridge which is, uh, it doesn't even go through the, into an outlet, I mean it goes directly to the batteries. Really? And it's awesome, and it's great, and it uses so little power, and it's just, and it's it's perfect. Wow. 10 cubic feet. A DC fridge. A DC fridge, yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Now, well, you can't get that at Home Depot, can you? We did. That's what we got at Home Depot.
1: Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Birchwood Podcast brought to you by Home Depot. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. And it was, I mean, the price tag you're looking at is like, uh, it's like $1,000 for a So ten... it's about double a fridge. It's maybe. about double a fridge. Or one and a half times yeah. the cost of a, yeah. a standard
1: AC fridge. Yeah. And you could hook that directly to a battery bank. Yeah, that's
0: what we have, a battery bank, yeah. Now,
1: I don't know a lot about DC. I took DC theory in Block 1, but even as a licensed electrician, I would not know how to set up a battery bank for a solar situation. I do want to take some upgrade courses to learn more about renewables because it certainly is our future. It's coming. It's coming. It has to be. You you know, the planet is, you know. Yep. I don't know if you know what's happening. Three degrees warmer. yeah. uh, Yeah, they're talking about decades. Yep. Of time for action, it's very depressing. Yeah. That's why I find what you and I do, uh, in our in our passion time, mm-hmm. with stand up comedy, mm-hmm. is so
0: important right now. I agree. I agree. Yeah, um, yeah. People got to get out. They got to get away from from the bad news and just have a laugh and uh, and enjoy themselves on a, on any given night. You know. Yeah. Because there's a lot. It is depressing. It's doomsday theory. Every time you turn on the radio. You know, it's something else. It's either a, a political scandal where somebody has done some heinous thing or the church has raped more kids or the... Um, which, just last week, there was more another... Well, that,
1: that shit about the koala bears in Australia is killing me. Oh, my me. God, right? 80% of their food supply is gone, the eucalyptus. Yeah. There's only 20% left, so they're just like, do the math. Yeah. You can't feed 100% of the koalas with right. eighty, per, you know, 20% of the food supply. So a lot of these koala bears are going to starve to death. Yeah. And uh,
0: then I'm supposed to get up and brush my teeth and go install generators. Right. Right.
1: It's a terrifying
0: prospect. And the white rhino is dead and there's fires in the the rainforest where, you know, there's fires in California. Miami, right now, has full-time pumps
1: just to keep it above sea level. That's crazy. (laughs) Now, you and I are are men of the world. We know about mechanical things. They break. They break. They break all the time. And they will fail. It's not a question of when,
0: yeah, it, or if. It's when. I'll tell you. So this is um, before. So I lived in New Orleans for two years, and pre, I lived there pre Katrina, the big one, right? And I remember when I first got to the city, I I loved it. I was fantastic. But I lived with my old college professor, and he drove me around, and he and he showed me the levees, and he was like, he was like, do you see how high up, we how, how far below the water we are, and how high up those levees are. He told me like the Army Corps of Engineers got a hundred thousand body bags in the attic of the Army Corps of Engineers building, which is like a fifteen-story building or whatever, um, because eventually it will happen. It will come, you know, and uh, and but everyone was like just you know just partying and living it up or whatever, knowing that this big hurricane would would ha- happen and that it was gonna the levees were gonna break for sure and the city was gonna drown for sure, and sure enough, it happened, you know, and the the people kind of had this attitude in the city of like. Um, we know what's coming, so let's just enjoy ourselves. Like that was know, kind of the magic of that, New Orleans. That's the magic of New Orleans. It's like it's like, you know, we know where the levee's gonna break, so let's party. Let's listen to jazz and brass and eat, you know, whatever food we want to eat, and just it's a, which is a dangerous place to be if you're not from there. Like I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Yankee, and I, I'm down there in New Orleans, and I just imbibed far too much. You know, too much food, too much booze, too, much, too many good times. Just, yeah. um, and not know how to moderate myself at the time. I was young, you know. Yeah. But I went back again after Katrina, and I watched them rebuilding the city. And I actually helped, uh, my archaeological firm also did soil testing. And so we went out and we took some core samples to try to get the right consistency of clay. The levees. It had to be, it had to be the right mix of sand and clay in order for it to pack well and hold the water. And, um... And it was just like that As we're repairing it We're getting You know Hundreds of thousands Of dump truck loads Of of, uh, this clay To try to fill in these holes And it was just Kind of like It's all gonna happen again It's all going to Go underwater Again Yeah You know It's like You're In Venice I mean Venice is like The same thing you know, uh, yeah. Pumps full time, full time, and they've they're yeah. seeing record flooding in Venice. Like it, they know the floods are going to happen every year, but now it's been like consistently every around
1: year. here. Like this is where I grew up, mm. and we we are a coastal community. Yep. And as is Maine, the state of Maine, right? Mm-hmm. We're in the province in New Brunswick. So, you know, but geographically, we are not different. So I don't know if you've seen a lot of flooding in Maine. Yeah. But basically here, people who had never been underwater, their entire homes were gone or their cabins or whatever. And it only happened to a small percentage of people. So in the grand scheme of things, most New Brunswickers just go on with their lives. Did you hear what happened to Larry? Isn't that sad? Yeah. But what happens in a case like New Orleans or Australia when the damage is... Community, like just wiped out. Yeah, like California. Those. Yeah, those. What happens cars. then? What happens to our humanity then? I don't know. And, and like Sandy and
0: like and Sandy Hook. Um, Which again,
1: why is comedy so important? Right. And I and I mean I'm talking now, you know, very deeply, and probably, you know, maybe maybe I've got a, the wrong perspective. But to me, I think comedy has always been a relief for people yeah and you know that's why i truly believe that you know humanity is is destined to to end you know we always talk about like life and death like we're born and we die there's two things that are certain death and taxes right so if we know that about ourselves we're only going to get one spin around the Earth, right? That's like, right. We are only going to live once. We're going to live and die. We know that. Why wouldn't that be true of anything in the universe? Yeah. Like the, the Earth is going to end, and I believe that we're in end times.
0: Yeah. And it's terrifying to me. Yeah. I mean, at the, do, you, do you get scared uh, thinking about it? Um, I don't get scared for myself as much as I get scared for my children. Right. My biggest anxiety is that, you know, there are things that my children will never get to experience. And I'll give you a a couple of for instances. Um, The white rhino is gone, right? There's other species of animal on the planet that are dying at a rate that my daughter may never, ever see them. And I take her to zoos and all that. Not that I'm... uh, Totally pro zoo, but at least I want my daughter to see these things just once. Mm-hmm. In the state of Maine, we um, our bats all die. I don't know if you have them here in New Brunswick, but
1: yeah, you you've talked about this before, yeah.
0: and it is something that I noticed in Canada as well. Yeah, we lost uh, I think we lost over six million bats or something like that in one Jeez. when one one episode one year uh, of this white nose disease, and when I was a kid. You know, I would stand out at night, and between the fireflies and the and the hundreds of bats that were flying over my head, nighttime was like this mystical, magical, alive time. Uh, I'm also a bird watcher, and so so I've seen a decline in the songbird species, like the chickadees. There are less chickadees now than there were before. Um, we're getting birds that de- have never been in our region before coming here. Um, when we were kids, there was never ticks. My my daughter had a tick on her, had to have it removed, and da 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 da. You know, these are these are. Very subtle changes, but it's like she is. Grow- I can prepare her as much as I can, but if I don't know what those changes are going to look like, how can I prepare her or my son for those changes that are coming? Um, just do the best you can, right, to help them be adaptable and whatever. But that's because the fear. what
1: are our cho- what are our choices as fathers? Right, we can um, try, or we can do nothing. Right. You gotta try. You gotta try. And you gotta try. And it's tragic, isn't it? And and it's really made me soft. You know, I I was very aggressive when I was young. I I wanted I didn't need anybody's help. I didn't need anyone to love me. Fuck the world. It's me versus the world. Yeah. Very egocentrical, egotistical, whatever you wanna you know, just very self centered. Yeah. Having children, you start to fear on a deeper level. Yeah. Then it's just like, okay. uh, Stick a fork in me, yeah. I, nothing matters about me, but it, it is that instinct of survival and and that instinct of uh, procreating the species, you know, to, yep. to carry on your your DNA or whatever. It becomes very. Uh, uh, it's it's such a shift. It 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 to your core. Yeah. Because all now I think about is the world and. What kind of world is my
0: daughter going to experience? And what kind of, and like I think my, for my daughter and my son, like what kind of person are they going to be? What kind of legacy am I going to leave behind? So I work in special education and, um, and I often see children with emotional and behavioral disturbances. And um, I'll be blunt, I often see behaviors that are the direct cause of the parent's Inability to manage their children, inability to to set boundaries for the children, inabilities to recognize that there's an issue with their children. They, you know, they they go around blaming the rest of the world or whatever. Parenting. Yeah, parenting, but they don't.
1: And but not not parenting like in a fashion magazine.
0: No, no, this is like like real like parenting. like
1: actual take an interest.
0: Yep. And and you know, set some boundaries. That's right. Yeah. And so, I get home. And uh, my daughter, my daughter's three. My son's seven months old. He's—I've never yelled at him yet because he's seven months old. There's no reason to yell at a seven-month-old. But I've certainly, like, I found myself—I was always in my, like, you said, it was uh, like aggressive, but I was also like wild and and I partied, I I had a had an amazing time um, doing, um, you know. I just I was wild. I didn't have any I didn't have any really care concern for for the future. And but when I had kids, I thought. My wife would be the disciplinarian, and I would be like the dad who get them all riled up and whatever. And it's the exact opposite. Like I'm, I come home, especially because I see children with really bad behaviors all the time. That I am harder on my kids than I ever thought I was going to be. I'm, and because I love them so much, I want them to be uh, caring, kind, respectful. Um, and sometimes that means you can't be friendly. You got You have to be. You know what I mean? You have to set clear boundaries. You have to um, follow through on consequences and that sort of thing. And that that stuff takes effort. Oh, doesn't it? it, Yeah. A lot of effort. Yep.
1: You know, like, my son, he alone could give me a part-time job. And I mean a real, like, you know, three nights a week Mm -hmm. I could spend on that boy. (laughs) And and, uh, I would not be able to change him. Uh, I try my, the old I struggle now, my big struggle now is to make sure that he knows that I love him over and above everything else, and it is so hard when he is like I still can't get him to wake himself up yeah. for school. How old is he? 17.
0: Oh yeah. That's
1: a rough one. You know like How can I maintain my composure with someone who won't even do enough to get themselves out of bed?
0: (laughs) You know, like... I'm sorry to chuckle, but it's the classic, uh, yeah, yeah. How
1: do you you not become, like, abusive? Yeah, yeah. Because I see the rage, and then I look at myself in the mirror and I go, no, that's how my stepfather was, and he was verbally abusive. yeah and you know and I, and I make jokes about it well it was different then and you know my old man and you were lucky you know you didn't grow up under my dad's roof or whatever and it's just like none of that matters all I wanted him to do is just know that I love him Even if I'm pissed off at them and it's like, but you've got to do this in the world because the world, like the boss at your job is not going to accept that you couldn't get yourself out of bed. That's right. right. Like, so, so yeah, preparing them for the world, it takes lots of work. Yeah. You have a son and daughter thinking about the world. Yeah. And that's why, but as fathers, I like, I'm
0: dialed into you right now. Yeah. I, it's a, I, I am exhausted. I get out of work. Sometimes I am, my wife stays at home. So with the kids. And and God bless her She deserves a medal She deserves a medal Because sometimes I am so happy To go to work I'm just like You know And I love my kids With my whole heart and soul But I'm like Yeah yeah Oh my god I get to go to work right now This is gonna be awesome You know what I mean Yes Yes Um
1: like, like I say, I have a perfect setup. I get my kids week on, week off. Yeah. And uh, week on, it's like, come here. Like, oh, give your daddy a hug. How was your time at your mother's? Really? That's your new drawing? That's so pretty, baby. Hey, you need 20 bucks? All right, make it stretch for the week, buddy. You know, yeah. I, I make money, but I don't make that much money. So yeah. So I have a great... Okay, well, you guys... Okay, Casey, what time do you want to get up? Okay, I'm getting you up at 6.30. Ella, okay, it's time for bed. Kiss him on the forehead. I have a lovely week with my kids. And then Saturday morning, I make bacon and eggs... And, you know, dad's diner is open. Yeah. And then we uh, spend time together. Maybe I'll take Ella out and we'll put some Chuckles posters up or, but then we always stop for hot chocolate at Tim Hortons. And, you yeah. know, I have a ritual with my kids in this relationship, in this world, but Sunday at noon when I hand them off to their mother, I'm like, all right, let's smoke some weed. <laughs> <laughs> the devil comes out, you know, and I'm that single guy again, Yeah. even though I'm not single, yeah. but it's like. So that love, you know, it's tempered with this. Uh, oh you know, yeah. Being a dad is a job, and some. Job. And you were saying, you see that some people aren't doing that. Oh job. yeah.
0: Oh yeah. No, people definitely are not doing that. You can have be. You can create children, but that doesn't make you a parent. That's no. parenting properly. And I now I'm gonna sound like an old guy. I'm forty two. I'm not that old, but, I, <laughs> but I'm gonna sound like an old guy. You're I not blame. that old.
1: You're halfway to eighty four,
0: but you're still. <laughs> I I yeah. blame, in large part, technology, mm-hmm. for the ability, for everyone to become mentally complacent and mentally lazy. Um, and this is back in my day, but I, but back in my day, back when I was a kid, um, the sun came up, the door was open, and we were outside, and we were building forts, and we were um, we were chasing frogs, and and we were. Um, Exploring the world, and you don't know I even mean, collecting bottles and cans and raking blueberries. And yes, and, we've gone to the ocean and uh, picked up sea glass. Yeah, those things are precious. The, yeah, but now I drive through everywhere around where we live, and I don't see my students out playing. And I ask my students, "What did you do this weekend? What did you do?" I played Fortnite all weekend. You know, I was I was. Yeah, sure, they're actively engaged in engaging in a social behavior with their peers because they've got the headset on and they're playing the, the, whatever this online game is. Fortnite is the big one. Can you imagine how much swearing goes on in those conversations? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're all probably like
1: dick tits blah blah, yeah. you
0: know, like um, But then they but then the parents don't have to ever hold them responsible. The kids don't the kids uh, are incapable of of occupying their own minds, right? A car ride for us was like sometimes hours of like just staring out the window thinking about whatever or great conversations in the car with with your family or um, or taking a nap but now kids are in the car and, my, and I'm guilty of this too I hand my daughter her DVD player I wait till she asks for it but I hand my daughter her DVD player and I give her you know whatever movie she wants to watch and we do that while we're driving um, and the time doesn't pass she doesn't watch the the landscape go by. Um, that separation from from one's own mind, having to always have a noise on, having to have have a light flashing in your eyes. And parents are, are now like, hey, I wanna sit down and smoke a joint or have a glass of wine or whatever. What am I gonna do? I don't want my kid to bother me. I'm gonna give my kid an electronic device. And we're just gonna, and so we can just shut them off, right? Yeah. That kid never gets to, to learn how to be an evolved human being, I think. And I, I, I honestly believe that. You know, I'm not gonna blame the music, because our music was just as—I mean, the par- my parents' music and our music was just—it's all equally uh, about sex, drugs, and violence, and rock and roll. Um, I just blame the same with the
1: exposure to video games and yeah, you know, th- different things that they blame, you know, yeah, movies even or whatever, you know, they 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 tried to uh, say that the Joker would encourage too many serial killers and and things of that nature. I don't I don't subscribe to that. At I well. don't either. I don't, I don't think art is something... Yeah, I mean, but if you've got that... Whatever it is you have in your head as a human being, if you're a killer, if you're a, a, a faith-based person, if you're... Whatever ideology you identify with, like, I don't think that's going to make you be more of that, more or less of that. Like, I don't think if you wanted to be a clown, you know, you watch... Uh, the Joker movie and you're like, I'm going to, or baskets, or any of those, I'm going to be a real clown and you go do it. I think you can be inspired, but you're going to, if you're going to be a murderer or something, you're going to do that. Yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll find your muse. You'll find the song that makes you think. Right. Or or the art that makes
0: you think about killing. Yeah, yeah, the art isn't the catalyst, but sometimes like with Helter Skelter with Charles Manson, right? Everybody Um, likes music. Yeah.
1: Killers are going to like music. Yeah.
0: And and people who have mental illness can prescribe their own uh, twisted thoughts to things that and find symbolism. Yeah. I and mean, one of the, one of the key attributes of uh, schizophrenia is that uh, seeing symbolism that's not there, right? Yeah, that's one of the one of the key. Oh, the Illuminati. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, although I believe in that, but um, so the uh, you're a conspiracy theorist. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little bit of a
1: conspiracy, conspiracy yeah. theorist. And there's got to be some conspiracy in life
0: well so okay let's get let's get weird um when uh, right after the Iraq war right after uh, 9-11 2001 I was involved in some political protests and I used to go to New York and DC whatever and protest the Iraq war before it happened because it you know it was a it, it was just crazy we were getting into a war that had no correlation with the event that happened and so I was part of this project where we and this is the early internet days this is the early days of the internet here um we each chose a, a U.S.-involved conflict and we researched how the war began and whatever and what the U.S. involvement was. Well, I was given uh, Chile, and I don't know if you know about what happened in Chile in, in the 1970s, but um, there was a democratically elected president, Allende, democratically elected, and he was a socialist, and the U.S. government, the CIA, literally and I saw the documents because it was crazy it had been enough time that when I started researching my project the CIA had just declassified a bunch of documents and you could go to I think it was uh, Brown University maybe had them uh, in, their, in their archives or whatever and back then you could just go through uh, archives you didn't have to I mean you probably still could um, and so I found Is that the, online? It, it was online Yeah, yeah It was like online A website or something? Yep University so website or A or university whatever. website Go. I went to the archives and I found these these un- recently de- declassified documents that the CIA and the FBI had written, uh, and the CIA blat- blatantly said um, that we need to overthrow this because so- they were the fear of socialism. We need to overthrow this guy through, and I and I'm trying to quote here, but through disinformation or any means necessary, wow. right? So, they overthrew him, and who did they put in place? They put in place this guy named Pinochet. Pinochet was a, a military dictator in Chile, right? Did some awful things. When they when they um, overthrew Allende, and they stormed the castle, there was a bunch of weird stuff in his room, right, that they found. Like, a lot of the color red, um, and, like, a, I forget, it was like a, like a specific book or whatever. So, when they overthrew Saddam Hussein, they found the exact same things in his room, right? Like the government created this disinformation franchise. And Saddam Hussein was like someone that we we the US government propped up and built him into who he is. Um, Osama bin Laden was somebody in the US trained and built into who he was. And then only later to take him down. Like setting up our own setting up our own eternal war. Not a conspiracy, but it is a conspiracy, right? But my 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 um, Fellow patriots don't feel that way. They don't. They they see that like our, our country's good. Everything we do is good. There's no um, everything we do has a good reason. We're we're the best big guy on the planet, um, and not true. You know, done some really evil, evil, crazy shit around the globe, and obviously on the North American continent. So, yeah, wow. Yep. All,
1: all the more reason to move to Canada, Brian. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, I mean, I, you know, we've been asking you for a while. I know. We're, we'll hope you just come. You and Susan, you come. <laughs> Bring the kids. Maybe we'll fight for Maine. Mm-hmm. We'll make Maine part of Canada, right? It should be anyways. That way you don't have to move your house, because that would be a pain, man. You already set up your solar, your battery banks. Yeah. That's that's a lot of heavy, it's heavy stuff to move. We should right? just annex. Yeah, I think Canada should just annex Maine, for sure. Yeah, Maine is so close to Canada. You know, We're just one accent apart. That's right. Aren't right. we? Yep. Yeah, I love
0: I love it down there, man. It's great, but it's, it's very maritime. Do you you know? love
1: living where you live?
0: I do. I do. I um, I, I do. I love the. I love the outdoors. Um, I am not a fan of cities. They make me very anxious. Even here in St. John, which was you consider like a small city, seventy approximately seventy
1: thousand. Yeah, and that's with the surrounding areas. Yeah. So in the grand scheme of things,
0: it's a small city, but still quite. Yeah. For you, huge. Yeah, I mean, I, I live in a town of five hundred <laughs> people. Five hundred, even. You know, um, I don't. That's definitely. I don't know. If,
1: uh, I, that would make me anxious. I yeah. think uh, if there are uh, only five hundred people my, in my, you know, immediate vicinity, like, oh my gosh, like that's Larry, and I gotta see him <laughs> it, yeah. all the time.
0: Well, it does make you. It does make you very uh, le- less selective about who you're friendly with, right? Like, I can't. I can't have political divides. Uh, with people, I'm very, I'm a liberal guy, I'm a very liberal guy. Um, Some of my very best friends are Trump supporters, some of them are very conservative, and and I just kinda have to bite my tongue sometimes when they say things, because, uh, you know, that's my mechanic, that's the guy who's gonna help me roof my house, when um, there's only 500 people. You you've got to um, you know Joe's gonna have the best barbecue next summer. Like you know <laughs> when guy not invited to Joe's, right? Yeah, you're not gonna not eat those ribs. Right, right. You know? <laughs> yeah, Joe makes the best
1: ribs. Yeah, he cooks them with brown sugar and it's his grandfather's recipe. And he yeah, puts, pours a little beer on there. Yeah. And,
0: and vice versa, you know, people come up to my property and they're like, you know, I've got chicken eggs, I've got canned vegetables, and and uh, grow a lot of produce and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I throw a hell of a party a couple times a summer, and everybody shows up, and yeah. um, you know. Um, so it's
1: like you're, but you know, in biting your tongue and putting up with someone you may not otherwise want to hang around, and having a community like, what do you learn from
0: accepting people? Uh, usually, I learn that. Here's what. Here's what I've learned. Or tolerant. What, here, of being tolerant. Here's what I've learned. People often display the kind of human being they are and their actions even if their actions are opposite their word, right? So people can spout racist nonsense or, or talk about how they don't care about anybody or whatever uh, whatever views they, ha- they have. But those are always the first people to show up to help when there's a house fire or when uh, somebody gets cancer. They're always the first people um, to, to... To welcome an immigrant. To welcome an immigrant. They're the first people to, yeah. you know... And it's, it's interesting to me to see. And I also feel like it's important... One thing social media has done is allows us to yell into an echo chamber. Right? We can we have our opinions and we can we can shout them into the ethers. And if we don't like somebody else's opinion, we can block them, and uh, we can only hear our own opinion echoed back into us. But in real in reality, that's not the way it is. And so, when you're around somebody who has different opinions from you, um, you, they can speak their truth to you, and you can speak your your truth to them. And you may change them, and they also may change you. Right, and so that's, and, and as a human being, I think you should always be open to evolving, always be open to changing. Um, so yeah, so yeah. I can't agree with you more. I, uh,
1: The older I get, the more patience I have, mm-hmm. and I seem to understand people following a different path than me, or you know what I mean? Yeah. Like... Maybe I wouldn't vote for someone they would vote for, or maybe they said some shit that I really don't agree with and really made me angry or I felt some type of way about it, you know? Yeah. Or maybe they commented on a Facebook post and, and I didn't appreciate the way they did it or whatever. But when I see them in their face, yeah, I often enjoy their company. Yeah. Even if I, I've Badmouth the guy at work, man. This guy, he's always telling us what to do, like when. Really, he's should be speaking to us as equals, and yeah. And then, and then I find that when I work with him, it's very pleasant, huh. and I enjoy it. You know, it's like so. I am learning to um, try to understand people before
0: I judge them. Yeah, it's very hard to do. I I think, and I think social media has given people this, you know, this keyboard warrior mentality. I have friends. Who know that their goal is to piss people off? They're trolls intentionally, you know. And like you said, these are friends of mine that I've had for 20, 30 years, uh, and they're great. They're really fun to be around. But I'm like, why do you have to such dick online on purpose? You know? Um, yeah. I don't know what I don't know where people get off. I don't know what, I don't know why they do it. <laughs> I try to I try to create as much positivity as I can, and uh, I really had to pull back from Facebook. I really like, you know, I caused. I I stirred the shitbox quite a bit. Um, I've I've burned bridges with family members and old co-workers and friends and that sort of thing. Yeah, I've been through all that with Facebook. (laughs) Yeah, Facebook's (laughs) the devil, man. (laughs) It really is the devil, isn't it? Yeah, it is the devil, yeah. 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 Oh, it's uh, brutal, you know, like... You know what the worst part about it is, like, aside from the bickering and whatever, is that you see people... Right now, wait, wait,
1: before, I just want to say this while I remember... You know the entire country of Canada is divided between Don Cherry supporters and non-Don Cherry supporters, right? Yes. Yep. You know you know that's a thing in our country? Yeah. Okay, I just wanted you as my neighbor, as my American neighbor, to know that that is what's happening over here. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> Racist granddad has yeah. divided my country. Yeah. And I don't know if you have any suggestions being a different countryman. I don't know. Listen...
0: Do you have any advice for me as a Canadian? What should I do, all these people fighting over Grandpa? Uh, I think everyone should just be reminded that we all have that racist grandpa, racist <laughs> uncle. And you still love him, right? And you just kind of go, yeah. okay. Yeah,
1: I don't agree. I don't yeah. agree with you. Yeah, yeah. This could destroy the whole family if I fight
0: with Grandpa, right? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I have... An, I have uh, I, I won't tell, I don't want to divulge anything because I don't know. So Facebook is the devil. It's Absolutely. Facebook. Facebook is the devil. But the worst thing about it is, the um, the fact that we get to see snapshots of other people's lives and compare our own lives to these snapshots that we see on Facebook. You know, with someone's great meal or the party that they're having or the friends that they're hanging out with or the or the car they bought or the weight they've lost weight they've lost or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. Um. And we compare our own lives to that. And it's an unrealistic vision of the other person's life that we're seeing. Yes,
1: exactly. And everything, everyone is showing what they consider to be their best Mm -hmm. side of them. And so when you compare yourself to that, because we're giving our best. Yeah. You know, we're showing the, the, okay, so we're taking a picture. We're choosing one picture for our profile. (laughs) Right. That's got to be a good one. Yep. You know what I mean? So, oh, my dog was jumping for a tennis ball or I put on the funny hat, whatever it is. And then we see all that and we go, I don't have a funny hat. Mm-mm. I don't, my dog can't do that or whatever. So there's always
0: this small feeling of inadequacy, right? isn't there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you, or, like, or like, oh, all those people just got together and had a really good time. You know come how I'm come? Not. How come I wasn't invited to that party? How come I wasn't part of that thing? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, and, um, and oh, it's awful. And that's... why are they friends? And I, I was friends with them first. Why are they hanging all the time? And or this whatever?
1: social disease had a Trojan horse in Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Because it hooked all of us. It was free to log in. Yeah. And have a profile. That very idea got right to the core of how shitty people can be yeah didn't it it did that's our our most disgusting compulsion is to be involved with ourselves yeah to, to make ourselves more important than someone else mm-hmm. and uh that's why i think facebook was the trojan horse and i agree ruin society i agree when you said facebook is the devil i really agreed with you
0: yeah I really, I really feel, and I've actually taken uh, breaks from it, logged off for a couple of months at a time, and found myself with like a a phantom itch, right? You know, like in a war when a soldier gets their leg blown off, and even after their leg is gone, they still itch their leg or whatever? I would, I I would delete the Facebook app from my, my phone completely or whatever, and be sitting at the couch, and just pick up my phone, like I have to look at something, like I have to see something and that's why I just end up going to my bank app and to my credit card app and to my all my other (laughs) check your email (laughs) check my email right which is just at this point email is just spam right everything in my inbox is like coupons somebody
1: like work still uses email
0: yeah so I do that a bit
1: but like I don't know e-transfers yeah that's the only reason I'll look at my email. Yeah. Really. And then, it, yeah, the rest is spam. It's all spam. Join yeah. Join the book
0: club now. 30% off at Target or, yeah, or Cole's yeah. Cash or, yeah, yeah. All the yeah. things I've signed up for using this one email. So I had to actually create another email address. Yeah, and then you the,
1: believe, I'm going to keep this one spam free. Yeah, yeah. How long does that last?
0: Oh, no, a month. A month. <laughs> tops. Yeah. Because then I'm on a mailing list. I use that one for all the mailing lists or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um yeah it's um it, yeah so technology is really is really bizarre it's really it's really changed our whole social and parenting dynamic and and um and i don't i'm like i'm kind of nervous what what's it going to be like for our kids in in 15 years i mean think about this facebook has only been around for about 10 15 years right right like not long no and look what it's done so what's it happen in 15 more years yeah like, what And now they got Snapchat and WhatsApp and TikTok. TikTok and Insta and uh, Twitter and um, all of those things. I miss MySpace, man. (laughs) MySpace is the bomb. Yeah, I know. That's how Dane Cook built his career. You could, you know what was the best about MySpace? People would visit your site. And you could have a playlist playing while they were looking at your pictures and stuff. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I could, like, you know, put, like, ten, my top ten favorite songs on my MySpace. Yeah. Um, you you know, the bio on MySpace was, like a, like, a full, like, I'm this guy that does this thing, you know? and Yeah. Uh, you really told about yourself. You really divulged about yourself. It was more like a book. Yeah. Yeah. And you didn't update it all the time. Like, you didn't, you looked at it. No, yeah. And you're, like, it's out there. Check out my MySpace, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to book my, my show dates on there, nice, I used to put those all on my MySpace. I didn't look at very
1: many MySpace profiles. No. Like, I looked at a few if I was really interested in, like, a musician or a comedian. I might check that out. but yeah. For the most part. Or if I had a really good friend. Yeah. Or something. But, yeah, MySpace was a... It was a slower pace. Yeah. Than Facebook. Yeah. It was cool. It was there. It's not like you were using it. But it was there Yeah You know Yeah I know what you mean By
0: missing it It was just like It was
1: innocent wasn't it Hotmail uh, messenger What was that called
0: MSN messenger
1: No Yeah uh, yeah. I think MSN 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 messenger Messenger, Yeah Yeah so that was You know you could put A smiley face And send it to Your girlfriend right That's cool Yeah Yeah. Do you you
0: ever use ICQ No Okay So ICQ is a messenger That I think predated uh, But I used to Listen I used to like Just troll for chicks all over the country that was ICQ was interesting you could put in uh, well I remember ASL age, sex, location or whatever and search oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. just do a search and you'd get a list of like 15 people or whatever and it would show if they were online red dot if they weren't online green dot if they were online or whatever oh yeah yeah and I remember oh there's the green dot I can't wait to talk to that person yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then you'd talk to them and you'd be like you know whatever and you could have like it was yeah it was interesting it was fun and I, I, I met and talked to people all over the country yeah, it's that, really cool. And I wonder yeah. where they, like, even to this day, I'm like, what happened to them? Like, what are they, do they even remember? Was it of any consequence Well, to it was
1: really cool, like, when all that was going down, it was years ago, and I was not married, but I was with her at the time, the mother of my kids, and, uh, you know, I was working out in Calgary, and she was in New Brunswick, and then, so, you know, we get the long-distance plan, we talk fairly often, but... Also, it's like most of the time she's on Messenger. So I could just put a message in. Yeah. Oh man, they yeah, we don't even need, need to call now, you know? Like I sent a picture. Like, oh cool. Yeah. It's not even email. Like it was just so innocent that time. Yeah. And now with all of the social media
0: apps, it's uh, the but be- all of consuming it, from every angle. I have uh, it's bad for people. So today, my daughter saw Santa in the in the mall. Yep. once Brunswick Square Mall Santa was there today I saw that Santa was there I got on my phone I messaged FaceTimed my daughter I took there was no line so I took my daughter over and she got to talk to Santa on FaceTime today awesome. that's something that we couldn't have done that is awesome it was awesome it was really cool and my daughter was wicked jazzed you know what I mean to see her daddy with Santa there was an elf there and she got to talk to the elf or whatever and, and Santa gave her uh, warm greetings um so there's some benefit to, to carrying this highly advanced technological device in your hand. I mean, these phones... I mean, we're recording a podcast right now, sitting in Tim Hortons. And that's a good thing. That's an amazing thing. I, the fact that we can do that. I can take beautiful portraits and landscapes, and, and uh, I, can, I can write uh, a whole paper. I can... I can do this. So many crazy things that I can do with my phone. I can identify a bird. I can I can speak another language. I can, you know, those things are all awesome. If we could just get out, get the rest of the junk that comes with it, you know. Yeah, exactly. I know way. what you
1: mean. It's kind of like uh, we're growing, and we're seeing things that are, you know, I I think the intention oftentimes is good when people invent things, mm-hmm. you know. But I think that. People find a way to to just use them the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that Facebook should not have comments. No. If Facebook removed the comments, I think that
0: would be... It would be a more harmonious experience online. Have you ever read the comments... In like a newspaper like a newspapers comment section like if an article comes out or whatever yeah and you go to the like Bangor Daily News is the one I, re- I read often right people will say some atrocious atrocious shit yeah on these comments and you're like why did you even say that like why did you yeah. did you get up in the morning and think I'm going to say the most awful thing in the whole world or people just arguing for no no good reason whatsoever like yeah I had so I have a friend who was recently in a, in a domestic violence sort of situation, and so I reached out on my Facebook and said, hey, can you point my Facebook friends, can you help me by pointing me in the way of some resources so I can share them with this person that's going through this domestic violence, and one person said, call the cops, and another person said, create a crisis plan with a crisis counselor, And, um, and they started arguing with each other about who, which way to help was correct, and I told them both, I was like, settle down, you're both right, you're both trying to help, like, why do you have to attack? Uh, each other for offering a different way to help. Like, the more ways to help, the better. Like, why are we arguing about this, you know? Yeah.
1: Um, it would be like you and I trying to argue about what the best way is to help our children. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Why would we do that? <laughs> yeah, why would we do it? Why, I mean, yeah, right. We, we why both... are people the way they are? Yeah, you know? I'm not really sure. Maybe we can figure it out. Someday. So, so I, w- I want to bring this up, and it may be a bit, little bit tangential, but it has to do with I was on your profile today, um, and I saw that you had posted uh, the Mike Ward. So Correct. he was. So let me see if I understand the scenario correctly. So there was a, a boy who had uh, treacher or something, Willie syndrome or whatever, right? Yeah. He had sang for the Pope, um, and and this guy Mike Ward did some did jokes about him for right. about three years and they tried to sue him the parents tried to sue him but that the joke that I heard
1: was um, the boy got to sing for the Pope on the premise that he was going to die soon and that's why he got to do it it was to make a wish kind of scenario so his wish was granted but the kid didn't hold up his part of the deal the kid didn't die he was supposed to die so he, he thinks he should not be able to sing for the Pope again or whatever, you know. Yeah. It wasn't the best joke. No. It wasn't even in great taste. Of course. But the intent, no matter how... Th- I believe this is the truth. The intent was humor. Of course. However, I agree it was in bad taste and... Sure. I would, I would not do a joke like that and I'm not a fan
0: of a joke like that. Right, me neither. However... I feel like, and this is a uh, specifically Canadian thing, like, it's not, I don't know how it's a finable offense. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me, that it's a finable offense. Like, you're you're not inciting violence. You're not, um, you know, like some of the things our president says, incite violence. People go and shoot people for the things he said. Um, This comic said something in bad taste, made fun of a kid uh, he shouldn't have made fun of, but why is it worth thirty-five thousand dollars? <laughs> like, I, I
1: thousand dollars is exactly the number of dollars it takes to help that kid's hurt feelings. Doesn't make any sense. I guess thirty-five thousand. Now the kid's okay. I don't know. Let's see what he bought. You know, let's. Yeah. <laughs> is it a better van to get him in, the, You know, I don't know if he can walk drive good or, or I, drive. I, I, like. I don't know what help he needs. Maybe right. he needs a full-time caretaker and 35000 was the price. I, what made that number? I don't know. But the, the, mm. the question becomes, should we punish
0: by law mm, okay. people? I, you, you know what I mean? Yes. I, just wanted to, I was going to just say that. Isn't it the job of the consumer to make the choice whether or not to buy the product? And as common comedians, we're selling a product ourselves, right? Absolutely. Our yeah. And so um, wouldn't a better way to for... Mike Ward to be punished for people to, that didn't like his jokes, not to come to his shows, not to buy the tickets, not to buy the album, or whatever. For yeah. the government to step in and say, "We're going to, we're going to charge him money. We're going to make this this uh, decision for the people that this guy should be punished." And, the, and this is the precise amount. That doesn't make any sense to me. And maybe it's because I'm from the States. I don't understand the Human Rights Council, Commission, or how that... The
1: Human Rights Tribunal, I had never heard before this case. Oh.
0: So now there's
1: a group of people called the Human Rights Tribunal, which makes this country a country in which I cannot speak my mind freely without fear of persecution, because I now have a fear of persecution for the words that I say, even if the intent is humor... Yeah. ...and it's entertainment... Comedy is not real-life advice. No. So if you make a joke in bad taste, that shouldn't mean that you're going to go to jail or you're going to face a fine. Right. That should mean someone should stand up and say, this is the worst comedy show I've ever seen. Boo. Shame on you. Weren't you raised right? And never come back to my show. That's right. And complain to the venue, and then I can't book the venue again. Then I lose a bunch of money. Then I can't make my livelihood.
0: That makes sense to me. We all
1: pay those prices. You can have... Act- there's, there's an action and a reaction. There's always going to be a consequence yeah. to speaking. But to get the law involved, yeah. that scares me. Yeah. This is now like... I'm thinking more that this is like a socialist country. Yeah. That this is not the country I thought it was. Mm. It really shook me to my core. I bet. Yeah. And I've spoken about Mike Ward passionately before. Yeah. And uh, you know, can't say I'm special, especially even a fan or no. But I've heard he's good. But he does a lot of his comedy in French. I don't, I know yeah. very limited French, but I believe so strongly in freedom of speech. But that's not in the Canadian Bill of Civil Liberties or whatever version we have. That's of interesting. The Constitution. I did not
0: know that. I did not know that. I thought. Me for too. For whatever reason, I always thought that Canada had freedom of the speech. The true north, strong and free. Yeah. I thought you had free speech. We're not free. No. Yeah. I mean, in, in in my country, I have to say, like, there is freedom of speech to a fault. Sometimes, like, you can you can spout hate speech, you can do whatever, and like, there's no, like, like yeah. well, he has a right to do that. He has a right to have a clan. And I, and like, I have to admit, I've seen, you know, the Ku Klux
1: Klan or something, and I've gone, those bastards should hang, and then I'm like, wait, yeah, <laughs> I don't think I'm helping. I I'm being hateful. Yeah, but it's like. I've felt those feelings. Sure. I get what those mobs of people are like, don't make fun of the crippled boy or the whatever right. is Politically wrong with correct. the poor yeah, child, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And it's like, I've I, I jumped on board a bandwagon myself and, and I get that mentality, but I think it's a real dangerous place to be when we're trying to control what people say.
0: Well, think about it. And... and so this is a joke he repeated, but I could think of some stuff that I said as a one-off before in comedy clubs. Which when I look you're back taking on. risks, yep. and trying, and and I've been like, Ooh, to be funny. I didn't, no, I didn't like that, or that didn't come out right, or. or but you were I trying I to be that, funny. I was trying to be funny. Yep, my intent was always to get a laugh. My right. intent wasn't to incite violence or harm. But you regret person. going yeah. those directions. And, oh yeah, yeah. Mostly it's usually When it's dealing with something That's out of the blue A heckler for instance right Like you Sometimes a heckler Can make you so angry That you say things That are out of character Yes You know you You pick on the thing That you would never Like you know Things that would never Bother you about a person You will bother you When it's a heckler right Exactly yeah Like for instance I don't call people fat Just don't I'm not It's not In my In my um, You know I just don't do it Like I think it's a body Shaming thing whatever But when I'm angry and or someone <laughs> someone does something that's that's uh, if they're inside, show me that they're ugly or they're or they're mean or whatever. Then you add. To then it. I'll pick out. Then I'll pick on their outside because I'm like, okay, you want to be mean? Like I'm gonna, I can be mean too. You know, it's <laughs> not even that mean. <laughs> no, it's not even that mean. But well, and, and you know, like we as comics, we do these roasts, and I've been invited to do a few of them, and that is the, I am terrible at it. I have such a hard time being mean, and like thinking about mean things to say about people but I love to watch them I love to watch the the roast I love to watch people who are really good at roast Terry like Arif Hussein he's brutal but I can't do that like I'm unless I'm angry and then it's not funny then it's just angry
1: you know yeah I know I've written I wrote a couple of for a couple of roasts and I one I did was uh, a girl that was leaving town who was that Jessica something. Anyway, she moved to Toronto. And before she did, we I did a roast. And I wrote a blurb about her. And uh, it was so mean. But it got a ton of laughs. And I think she may have been affected by it. Oh. Uh, I don't know for sure. Right. And she didn't say that she was affected by it. And she laughed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But like there were things, and I was like, "Oof, I don't." You know what? I don't like roasts. I don't like them. No, that's funny. You're, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested to hear you say that because I feel like I'm one of the only ones. Like you know, God, and God's always really good at it too. Like he's another guy that's really good at, at roasts and enjoys them. I can, and I'm like, oof, oof. You know, <laughs> it
1: doesn't bother me when RF rips into me. Yeah, because that's been our whole relationship. It's just like, yep, he, he's like my brother, and he cuts to my core kind of thing. I don't mind that because I feel like I know RF and I feel like deep down he does like me. Yeah. But like to see open roasting, like everybody just cutting to everybody, I just, whoa, yeah.
0: I, just, I don't like that. And I know a lot of people do and I can see why it's funny and sometimes I laugh, but. I, I think sometimes it's like um, a groan, like when I first started with comedy, the, the club owner said a groan is as good as a laugh sometimes, right? Yeah. And sometimes at a roast, I I spend more time groaning. I'm like, oh, oh, you said that, <laughs> oh. you know. Uh, you ever watch the? Um, is it Jeff Ross who does the roast? Jeff yeah. Ross. Yeah, I think so. He's yeah, so that's who he is. good at it. Yeah, but I've seen him say some terrible things about people. Oh yeah. Like the like he uh, the roast of David Hasselhoff or whatever, and like, oh man, just cr- just crazy. I can't even repeat it, but. Crazy stuff like that, and just trashing around the room or the roast of Tommy Lee. Well, was Comedy it. Central
1: roasts, so it was a big thing.
0: Yeah. It, it has its own fan base, its own.
1: I'd almost call it different than stand up. Yeah. I, think, I think roasting is like a different category of. Yeah. You know, like improv, stand up comedy, and roasting, I think
0: are all different things. My A buddy of mine who was just going through a divorce, just went through a divorce, brutal, was having a terrible time. His birthday company's like, hey Brian, can you roast me at my birthday party? And I'm like, no, no, man. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be the the one thing between you and the trigger, bud. Like you know, I'm not gonna. Not, you know, no, no, I'm not going out like that. Nope, <laughs> no.
1: So how can people find out where your upcoming
0: shows are? Um, you know, generally, if I, I have a show coming up, I, I like it and share it on my Facebook page. Um, I, I used Brian to have, Giles on Facebook. I used to have a, um, I used to have a Myspace page, obviously, but I used to have like a, a comedy.com page back then as a comic is you could create and upload your headshot bio, bio profile. Um, I also use Reverb Nation. That's a really cool, I don't know if you've ever used it. No. But you can build a really nice EPK, Electronic Press Kit, which I um, learned that term recently. But it's got all, like, you know, the testimonials, and it's got uh, all video clips, and it's got uh, bio photo- photos and head- headshots, whatever. So how do people find that? Um, and that's going to be uh, the Reverend Brian Giles at Reverb Nation. Uh, just re- just type in Reverb Nation, the Reverend Brian Joseph Giles, and it will bring you to uh, my page, and it'll show you all the uh, upcoming shows. However, I'm not really booked right now because it's winter. And um, although we, you don't have snow here, we already have snow in Maine. And uh, I try not to. I try to avoid booking gigs when I'm, I'm hesitant to cancel with a club. I hate to cancel with a club. I've had to do it twice, maybe in my entire time doing stand-up comedy, because I just don't book during inclement weather, because I know that it's an hour and a half drive. And um, I've also done some gigs in really terrible weather, and that's. And I'm sure you have too, like yes. white-knuckle driving to a club. Yes. Yeah. I've done it. It's and then no white-knuckle fun. driving home. It's no fun. No. Yeah. And you're like, well, wow, I booked. I got. I got to get there. I got to do the show. Because you don't want the you want the clubs to have to change the poster or to find somebody last minute. You know. I I always find talking
1: to you so fascinating. I had a great time talking to you today. Thank you for sitting down with me and doing the interview. Th- thank you for having me. Thanks. Yeah. And the thing is, uh, I I want this conversation to be part one, part two, part three, because you're a homesteader, comedian. There, there there's too many. Parts of you that I would really love if you came back to the show and and did another episode. I would love that. Yes. I would love that. All right,
0: man. Thanks. All right. Thank you.